broadcasting around the world 24 hours a day. This is Carers World Radio with Patricia Mitchell. Hello and welcome to Carers World Radio for May. On this month's programme, we'll be telling you all about a new chat room set up by the Princess Trust for Carers in the United Kingdom, which is specifically for carers, to facilitate the exchange of useful information, to help support each other, and generally for carers to have a good time. Now, it seems that doorstep crime is on the rise. This can be anything from selling faulty products to other more serious issues, and our reporter, Mike Atkinson, will be finding out more. All this and much, much more on our May edition. an historic piece of legislation was signed in the uh, state, the Health Care Reform Bill. It's hoped the bill will go some way to providing or facilitating health care insurance for some 32 million Americans who currently are without health care insurance, as well as legislating for people with pre-existing conditions being able to receive health care cover and so forth and so on. Well, for our European and Australian audience members, uh, the American health care system is, is very, very different to our own. But what do these reforms actually mean to carers or family caregivers, as they're called in the United States. Well, here to tell us more is Suzanne Mintz, who is the president and CEO of National Family Caregivers Association in the States. Um, Suzanne, thanks for joining us again today. I know we've spoken to you in the past. Um, it's great news, I, I think, about the uh, reform bill, but, but what does it mean for carers and when will it start to take an effect? Um, it is great news. Um, you know, it it's so embarrassing. I mean, here we are, you know, one of the, you know, major developed countries in the world, and we don't provide health care for everybody. Uh, I'm sure, you know, everybody in um, in Great Britain and the, and the, and the Commonwealth um, think we're nuts, and um, I would agree with them. So yeah, we, you yeah. have a very different system. It's far more of, how can I put it, sort of a capitalist-based system as opposed to a social social capitalism system. Yeah, I mean, it's primarily based on um, getting your health, in, health insurance through your employer. Yeah. You know, and so using potentially multiple different companies to, uh, to insure you. And there are actually some European countries that, that do that as well, like Germany and yes. um, and Switzerland. But the point is, in those countries, people are covered. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of people that fall through the net in the United States, aren't there? Or have done in the past, and that's been absolutely. the whole issue. And then there's also the issue of people not being covered if they have pre-existing conditions or that the kind of the insurance runs out effectively. Uh, does this reform bill, I mean, help in that way? And obviously, again, particularly for family caregivers in mind. Well, yes, absolutely, it it does because family caregivers, uh, carers, are people who are caring for um, a family member, a good friend, whatever, um, who has a chronic illness or disability. Mm-hmm. So, anything in the bill that improves the ability to get care and the care itself for people with chronic conditions also, by definition, helps the family caregiver. Absolutely. So doing away with the pre-existing condition clause is is huge. And there will be set up this year a special um, pool 
so that people with pre-existing conditions don't have to wait to 2014 when the the system itself will fully be in in place. So that's extraordinary news. And obviously, the family caregiver could have pre-existing conditions as as well. And kids, you know, who were born with a congenital problem, um, were also considered to have pre-existing conditions. I, I know it's it's mind-blowing. So this really is a great boon um, to, to care of families. All the things that we've just been talking about relate to getting access to care for people who um, may not have had it previously. Right. So, and that was a huge goal, of course, of the, of the legislation. And that will be immediate. We've already seen a brief implementation schedule broken down by by year. And what we know so far, and this is very, very preliminary, is that specific mentions of family caregivers occur most frequently in the section of the law that's about system delivery reform. Um, which relates to, um, you know, chronic illness and uh, payment for docs. I mean, now doctors are paid for procedures. They're not paid for the overall care of a of a patient. So there is not the monies for a physician to take a lot of time counseling people with chronic conditions. And by definition, there aren't a whole lot of procedures, yeah. you know, you're doing for somebody with a chronic condition unless, you know, there's an acute thing going, going on. Um, and so in this section of the, of the bill, there is a call for the development of an innovation center, which will be a, a place, you know, where ideas are formed, where grants are given out um, for ways to improve the delivery of care. There are lots of pilots and demonstration programs that call for family caregiver education and training and involvement in decision-making. At this point, we've counted 13 specific mentions of family family caregivers, you know, just by doing a, a word search kind of thing. But if, there may well be more, as I'm saying, this is very, very preliminary. Yeah. But in, look, in looking at them, I've put them into three broad buckets. Mm-hmm. The first being education, training, assessment, and support for family caregivers. The second one, the, the broad category of health care delivery, and then the third one being financial assistance. Mm-hmm. So an example of the education and, and training aspects comes in a section uh, called geriatric education and, and training. Um, and the this geriatric education center, well, and there'll be multiple ones of them, I, I believe, not necessarily just one, because it says a geriatric education that receives an award under the subject shall offer at least two courses each year to family caregivers right. to provide practical training um, for supporting frail elders and, and individuals with with disabilities. 
and um, it specifically talks about um, that it has to include um, training for people who are dealing with um, dementia patients. And has this been on the agenda before, Suzanne, or is this just specifically because of the health care reform bill making it come to the fore because of the requirement to actually start getting more efficient about how family caregivers are treated and the implementation of, um, of, of, a, of a new approach to, to health care? Yes, absolutely. Um, there have been bills introduced in the past that include, um, you know, geriatric education for family caregivers, you know, the Alzheimer's Association, obviously, be at the forefront of things like that. But then um, there are, as I mentioned, this host of um, pilots and demonstrations on things called the medical home, which is a crazy name, because when you mention it to people, they think it means a nursing home, as opposed to um, a, a medical practice that uh, provides primary care and um, coordinates coordinates care. Um, and there's something else called accountable care organizations. Um, and within these, it talks about education for and involvement of family caregivers. Mm-hmm. And so there will be multiple uh, programs like, like that out there with the intent of looking for what are the best ways to to do this, to provide um, coordinated care. And obviously there isn't one best way, and it would certainly be different here in the Washington, D.C. area as compared to a rural farming community. The question is how many family caregivers will actually get to participate in these programs? You know, it obviously is not going to be huge, but it is the beginning I was about to say, oh, it's yeah. just actually, it's it's great to hear that they're being mentioned and that they are on the agenda and that you've got something to work with and get your teeth into, if you like. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right. But it's going to take a while mm-hmm. for it to, you know, impact mm. um, everybody. So, and, so there's the education um, and training and support side of things. There's the healthcare delivery aspect of the family uh, caregiver. In, in right, and in terms of the delivery system, uh, a couple of things that I that I highlighted was there's going to be a patient safety research center that will fund activities of organizations with recognized expertise and excellence in improving the delivery of healthcare services by involving mm-hmm. carers. I mean, to me, to me, that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, we certainly would like to be involved in something in something like that, and then one of um, I think of as one of the most intriguing ideas in terms of system delivery reform is something called community health teams. And in America, the majority of physician practices, you know, have have one or two uh, physicians in them. You know, they're sole practitioners or two or maybe three, as opposed to a large group, you know, where there are multiple multiple doctors and therefore larger systems and so on and so forth. So how are you going to get these one and two doctor practices, which are the the norm, to be able to have electronic records? and be able to do care coordination and more counseling of um, 
patients with chronic conditions. And the idea of a community care team is it would be a separate entity so let me that just, sets so, itself up that would sell its coordinating services and all to these small doctor's offices. Right, okay. And then they would do all the coordination between the various doctors, the hospitals, the labs, so on and And, and, and this is in very much so the forth. early stages of, of, of being looked at and thought about. I mean, it'd be interesting actually to for you to have a look at the, the UK system in that respect in terms of, of, of that type of delivery. Uh, and what about, just moving on, just what about the financial assistance side of, of the family caregivers um, in terms of the health care reform bill? Well, there's something within health, within this whole package which is called the Patient Portability and Affordable Care Act, is its fancy full name. And within that, there's com- something called the Community Living Assistance Services and Support, which everybody refers to as the Class Act. <laughs> and this is something that Senator Kennedy um, was very, very much behind. And what it does is it sets up a voluntary insurance program so that people can put money away for long-term care needs and for alleviating um, burdens on family caregivers. So, you know, as we have uh, voluntary retirement uh, programs uh, through employers that we call 401k plans where you can take, you know, X dollars from your paycheck and have it go into this special account, the class act would work in a in a similar in a similar way and it specifically says that there's nothing in the act that would prohibit somebody from paying a family member to be their family caregiver right and that's that's an important thing um and um and then there's going to be an advisory council for this and it shall include carers so this is this is a big thing because the majority of Americans believe that Medicare, which is the, um, in essence, the insurance system for people over 65, yes. that the majority of people believe that it covers long-term care expenses, and it does not. It covers health care expenses, and most people are not prepared for the costs of long-term care. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I just think that it sounds like this is very much a a work in progress, but just by virtue of the fact that family caregivers have been mentioned, uh, however many times they're mentioned in the bill, but in those three buckets, as you say, of education, training and support, healthcare delivery and financial assistance, you are kind of, you're kind of on the agenda now, uh, let alone the fact that the um, healthcare reform bill must, um, in so many ways, take away a lot of stresses uh, from family caregivers in the sense that it's it, that they're being taken care of more now. And it's, uh, I have to say, it seems like a, a more caring system, even though there is a requirement by law to have insurance. It's not your, you know, it's it's there's a there's a fine involved if you don't get it. But but I am sure you must be absolutely delighted with all of those aspects of the of the reform bill. Oh, we we totally totally are, and I mean it's going to take quite a while yeah. for all of this to get into um, in place. But I mean your terminology of a work in progress is is true. But the fact that this bill has actually passed yes. 
so many presidents have tried to get health care reform I know. In, and, and in America. And, um, and for our audience, I should say that if they're not aware of what of, of, of the of the angst and the and the amount of, of, of concern as to whether or not this was ever going to get passed, because it was looking tricky at, at a few moments in time, it was oh, yeah. quite a huge relief. And and well, Suzanne, thank you so much for explaining to us exactly, you know, what what the state of play is at the moment. That there are some things which are taking immediate effect. There are some things which are being developed and talked about and in progress. And um, but overall, that this is already starting to have an effect on, on not just, obviously, Americans, but particularly family caregivers. We, we very much appreciate your input. And, and we, well, we look forward we to are finally to becoming the... a civilized society. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and all power to you on that. And, you know, Suzanne, we'd love to check in with you from time to time and just see how, it is, um, how it's coming along, because I also know that you're, you're working in tandem with us with the Care as World America, so we would like to, uh, you know, thank you for that as well. But thank you so much for joining us today. the door and when you open it there's someone there perhaps trying to sell you a product or service in some areas doorstep crime is on the rise well we sent our reporter mike atkinson to find out more and how to protect yourself from doorstep crime he spoke to ian ingles from trading standards and began by asking him what is doorstep crime uh doorstep crime uh takes two basic forms. Basically, it's a rip-off of an elderly or vulnerable person uh, by a rogue trader. Well, they go by a variety of descriptions. But the flip side of that is a very strong connection with another type of crime called distraction burglary. Um, distraction burglary is exclusively, really, the remit of the police to enforce, whereas the rogue trader issue involving fraud, uh, sometimes blackmail, other trading standards offences connected with property repair work, shoddy property, property repair work, uh, falls within the, the joint remit of Surrey Police and Surrey Trading Standards. Not, this, is a, this is a nationwide problem, possibly a worldwide problem. It's not unique to Surrey, uh, and it's endemic throughout the UK. I'm aware in some countries of Europe, the United States, Australia, and other locations too. So what do we do here? Well, in 2003, we decided that enough was enough. Um, we are not uh, a body which would normally go out arresting people. We don't carry flashing blue lights and so on, but there was, m there was more we could do to um, improve our game against these offenders. We're getting calls uh, from victims and from relatives uh, of victims um, describing the sort of uh, scenario that we're so used to seeing now, where elderly or vulnerable people were receiving a cold call, that's an unsolicited visit to the door, uh, and they were being persuaded, conned, if you like, mm -hmm. into having some property, where, uh, property repair work carried out at their home, which in many cases proved to be unnecessary, proved to be very poorly executed, uh, proved to be vastly overcharged, uh, and at that point, this is 2003, mm -hmm. um, we decided that something needed to be done about that. So we set up what we call a rapid action team. Which is uh, who? Who thought of that? Because the acronym of RAT isn't. Um... <laughs> it's handy, though. It's handy. It's a handy acronym. Um, it was uh, the then projects team who thought of that. It was the uh, projects team. I think it was Steve Plale um, who who thought of the acronym. Uh, but it's it's a handy thing. It, it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Um, it goes by different names in the UK: quick reaction team and so on, okay. uh, depending on the authority concerned. 
Okay. So what 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 do what do the rats do? Okay. Well, a primary role um, is to get out there and stop the crime, basically. But there are five very clear objectives. One, intervene to get between the offender and the victim. Uh, very often, the the offender will have the victim in their thrall. They'll have persuaded that the the victim that uh, it's only he, only him, the offender, who can uh, put right this particular problem and nobody else is going to do it for such a bargain price. Mm. Um, So to intervene in that situation, first and foremost, to disrupt the crime whilst it's in progress, to disrupt future crimes that might be committed by the same offender, to enforce the legislation uh, that's within our remit to enforce, to uh, advise all parties concerned, the victim as to what's going on, uh, any um, any relations that might have an interest in what's going on, clearly. Uh, it's not always the case, but sometimes there are. The offender as to their course of offending, to make it clear to them that there are certain laws that they should be adhering to, honesty aside, mm-hmm. a certain, certain other what we call strict liability laws they should be adhering to, and, of course, also to advise the police of what's going on here uh, and social services so that they can have an input too. And finally, but to a much lesser degree, to support the victim, um, where there is no other agency involved to lend what support we can as law enforcement professionals until uh, we can bring on board other um, more appropriate professionals for any further support that might be required. Uh, Let's take an example. Uh, one off the top of my head, in, in fact, off the top of my roof. A uh, gentleman calls at my door. Um, he says, uh, it looks like you've got a few slates missing there, matey. Um, we can do it X price. And I say, fair enough. And then I think, hang on a minute, this has all gone a bit uh, wrong. Yes. Can I still call your rapid uh, action team? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the sooner the better. Um, even when the, the work, or work as they're describing it, is very well advanced, you can still call us, call us at any time, even if the offenders have left the scene. Uh, our advice in circumstances like this is don't deal with cold callers. Mm-hmm. Seriously, elderly people okay. and vulnerable people um, are, I'm sorry to say, the prime targets of the, the offenders concerned. Um, it, it's a traditional thing. Elderly people are often perceived as being um, easy targets, Easy targets, often with a lot of money that they're not going to use productively. So the offenders see it as being as well in their pockets as in some bank account somewhere gathering dust, so to speak. Um, clearly, it's, uh, it's not a very nice uh, perspective to, to see this from, but I'm afraid that is the way that the, the offenders see it. Uh, okay. the I, I, I'm an old, vulnerable person, and I find this big, burly chap like you, Knocking on my door, mm. I open the door, and you make certain demands, which, uh, and I'm afraid, terrified yes. uh, of the circumstance. What can I do? Well, first of all, the, the offenders are seldom um, offensive in their initial approach. They try to be nice, they try to be charming, and by doing that, they get under the radar of a lot of uh, the, the victims that they target. What can you do? First of all, don't buy at the door. Anybody cold calling, very quietly, very gently say, no, thank you, and send them away. Now, the Home Office has some guidance on this. First of all, um, before the offenders call, be prepared for any likelihood that they might call. Now, we're not trying to instill paranoia in people, but a little bit of healthy suspicion, a little bit of healthy safeguarding. First of all, keep your doors and windows locked. If you do receive an unexpected call, put the door chain on. If you haven't got a door chain or a door bar, get in touch with your local care and repair. 
they're normally available through the local borough council to whom you pay your council tax. Mm -hmm. If you've still not got one, if you're not aware of who to call, give us a call, okay, on a number I can give you in a moment if you like, uh, in order to set things in motion for that. Now, having taken all those precautions, um, don't buy at the door, okay? Stop Consider whether you need what's being offered, first of all, but be immediately suspicious that somebody who's calling at your door for property repair work is probably up to no good. Mm. Simple fact. Yeah. Um, is cold calling, cold calling illegal then? No, no, it's not illegal, unfortunately. Um, there are a number of people who might have a very good reason for calling at your door. Mm. Um, legitimate charity workers would have a legitimate reason for calling at your door. Certain religious groups would have a legitimate reason for calling at your door. Um, politicians canvassing uh, pre-election time have a legitimate reason for calling at your door, as might the police, as might a trading standards officer on occasion. But uh, <laughs> for the purposes of carrying out property repair work to your home, we are, in every case, suspicious of persons making unsolicited visits for that purpose to the homes of elderly and vulnerable people who might find themselves being targeted by a rogue. What can I do if I've had work done by a doorstep trader and think that I've been conned then? First of, first of all, call Surrey Trading Standards. Now, I mentioned to you uh, a number before. I can give that to you now. Um, the number is actually for Consumer Direct. Now, Consumer Direct is a government set-up call centre um, with nationwide remit, uh, and they always have a very good relationship with the local trading stamps authority uh, within which you live in the UK. Now, that number is 08454-040506. Now, in case your pen wasn't handy at that moment, um, I'll give it to you again. That's 08454 0405 now, they're the first point of contact for any anything you might have to do with goods or services that you've purchased, be it a pair of shoes, be it a, a fiddler on the roof, so to speak, <laughs> um, a con man about whom you've got some concerns. When are they available? Um, my understanding is that Consumer Direct are available uh, Monday to Saturday from half past eight in the morning to half past six in the evening. Okay. Thank you for that. Okay. I've just heard this uh, conversation that we've had. And I realised that I had some work done some time ago, and I'm not happy. Still anything I can do? Absolutely. Call Consumer Direct. Now, any, any situation like this may involve civil liabilities on the part of the, the trader, uh, as well as possible criminal issues. Now, even if it's not a rogue trader, now rogue traders are, are particularly difficult to secure civil redress against, but if they're a legitimate trader who might just have done a questionable job or there might be a problem that you're concerned about, again, call the number I've just given you, Consumer Direct, for a bit of advice as to where to start. Um, we do have concerns that if you fall in victim uh, to the approaches of a rogue trader, they may come back again. So it's as well we know about that. When I say they may come back again, it won't be to do you any physical harm, but having ident- without, without being at all pejorative to, to your listeners, um, if they've identified somebody who can be conned, then they may be back to do it again. Mm. That's the bottom line. So the sooner you can let anybody know, particularly trading standards, on the number I've just given you, or your local police, then the, so much the better. Trading standards normally have a very good working relationship with the police uh, and will make the police aware of anybody who we believe is being targeted um, by such con men.
Okay, Ian. I, what should I do if I enter into a contract at the door and want to protect myself? Want to protect yourself? First of all, don't enter into a contract at the door. Okay, that's that's, that's the first step. <laughs> okay. okay. Secondly, if you have um, the trader, okay, let's let's not judge him too quickly at this stage. Let's call him the trader rather than the offender. The trader is required by law to give you a notice in a prescribed format by law, setting out who they are, the proper name, the proper address, and the means by which you can cancel that contract. The, the paperwork should also state that you have a right to cancel the contract within seven days. Now, there's other bits and pieces that go with the form, but that's our starter for 10. At the very least, they should be giving you a contract form which makes out very clearly those rights and how you can go about cancelling the contract that you have with that trader. If they fail to do so, that's a criminal offence. If they fail to do so in the prescribed format, or if they fail to do it at all, that means whatever work is done, you won't have to pay for at all. The contract is invalid. It's good to know. I, I've heard ab- about a new law for selling in customers' houses and workplaces. What's all that about? That's the same law. It's, it's the, the same, same law. Thing. It's the same thing. Okay. Up until the 1st of October, uh, the circumstances I described to you a moment ago applied only to unsolicited visits. Well, from the 1st of October, via legislation that we still refer to as the doorstep selling regulations, Mm -hmm. you have um, the same rights for solicited contracts. So that if you call a tradesman to your house, to do your kitchen or your bathroom or anything like that, then you have a seven-day cooling-off period by law, and the tradesman's required to give you paperwork to that effect, stating everything that I've just mentioned to you, their correct name and address, that you have a, set, a right to a seven-day cancellation period uh, and the means to go about doing so. Now, again, there's more on these forms that I won't go into just now, um, but get in touch with local tra- your local trading standards via Consumer Direct, and they'll be able to advise you more clearly. There are some contracts that are going to be exempt. Um, for example, the milkman. You wouldn't expect your milkman, uh, every time you have a contract with him, ra- regular roundsman, to have to give you uh, a seven-day cancellation period, newspaper boy, and so on. Um, there are some exempt contracts, but uh, there are a good number of contracts that are caught by this uh, and where there's protection for you. Now, you, you mentioned uh, t- two things earlier on, the rapid action team. To contact them, is that the same telephone number as the consumer direct, or is that a different number? That's the same number. That's the same number. Uh, all the Consumer Direct mm-hmm. staff, certainly in the southeast of, mm-hmm. of England, have been trained to recognise the type of call coming in which may give rise to um, the need for an immediate attendance, uh, such as we deliver with a rapid action team here in Surrey. I'm aware that all the trading stands authorities in the southeast operate to a similar system. Uh, when s- these circumstances are notified to them, they treat them as a very high-priority issue for which they will, if at all possible, make an immediate attendance. So anybody concerned by anything that's that's happened or uh, wishes to uh, make a note, it's the Rapid Action Team on their uh, Consumer Direct number, which is? 08454 Ian, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. This is Carers World Radio. 
And with online communication becoming more and more part of our mainstream way of communicating, the Princess Royal Trust for Carers have set up their own chat room specifically for carers to use. Its intention is to exchange information, to support each other and generally to have a good time. To tell us more about the Princess Royal Trust for Carers text-based chat room is Ewan Main, who now joins us from our London studio. Uh, Ewan, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi there, thank you. Um, now, I gather that the Princess Royal Trust uh, for Carers runs um, a, a child chat room as well, a text-based uh, chat room for them to talk to each other. But yeah. we're, today we're going to be talking about the adult um, uh, text-based chat room. Um, I gather uh, there's, there's loads and loads of questions I want to ask you, but <laughs> tell me what basically is it used for? What's the purpose of the, of the chat room? It's actually, well, in a way, that's one of its strengths, that it's used for anything the community decide. Um, I suppose I, I ought to say, I mean, it's up there all the time. It, it, we we never close it. We don't go in and inspect anything. It's just there for them to use for whatever they need. And so we tend to find it's quite a mixture of really daft conversation, people telling jokes, having a bit of an escape. Um, but also, they're really, really good at offering each other support. We do get a lot of people who come in in a terrible situation, you know, really upset about something, maybe they've had poor service, or maybe they're just depressed after 20 years of being a carer, and they're fantastically good at just offering each other the support, you know, practical knowledge sometimes, or just sympathy. So um, it really can be anything. I'm, I'm kind of quite in awe of the people who use it, really. They're, they're an amazing support to each other. So it's just amazing, sort of like, community resource that you tap into and either share what's going on, or you would go in with your own specific inquiry or need for um, information or, or even like you said just for consolation or, or, or support. Yeah that's it really as a, a carer I mean they think going for any reason. Um, I think a lot of people tend to start off with our discussion boards which is I mean it's quite like the chat is just not in real time you know you take turns to write a message then you you go and see whether people have replied so it's a bit less intensive. Um, so I think a lot of people start off by hanging around there, seeing what sort of people seem to be in the community. And then, yeah, just if they're feeling lonely or if they just fancy talking to somebody, it's pretty much like dropping into a local uh, you know, pub or community centre or anything else, really. That's what I was just thinking. For guys for the pub and for, for, for women, I don't know, maybe coffee shops <laughs> or, uh, or maybe still the pub. Uh, but um, and yes. now you, you said that it's open all the time and people drop in and they kind of set the agenda. Is it always yeah. a general agenda or do you ever have any sort of specific chats? Yeah, we do hold specific ones sometimes. I mean, it, it's in a way, it's sort of, um, I always try and steer clear of saying that because I like to keep the idea, it really is, it belongs to the users. It's, it's their community. So we as staff can go in and say, okay, for the next hour, we're going to discuss this subject or we're going to have this politician in as a guest or whoever it might be. But it's still their community. Or if they want to hang around and talk about something else, they still can. Um, but yeah, we have, um, we've had, well, coming up to the election now, there have been all sorts of experts, politicians uh, who are interested in coming and speaking to us. Um, so there are always those sorts of people because carers, are, well, it's quite a potentially political issue at the moment. Um, we also, we've had guests, uh, people like psychiatrists, uh, experts and all sorts of different um, conditions and disabilities, really. And sometimes celebrities. We have uh, Pam Ferris, who is one of our um, one of our most distinguished supporters, really. Uh, she comes in quite often just to meet them all uh, during mm -hmm. games at our, in our Christmas parties and so on. So, yeah, all sorts of things. And, and it, I mean, tell me about how people can get involved, because there's also, um, obviously, in this day and age, whilst the, the internet and, and, and use on the web is, is, 
wonderful. One has to be careful. I mean, is this a is this a service that you register for, or or you just basically sort of pop in? I mean, is there any degree of monitoring that goes on? Yes, there is. Uh, there is some monitoring. Well, first of all, they they do have to register. Um, right. So that's one the, hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the in fact, the chat hold everything that happens in the chat room is recorded. Uh, we have access to a transcript of it. I mean, we don't habitually look at it because, like I say, we try and treat it as their private space. But it does mean that if anyone's worried about anything, if a complaint comes up, we can go back and see exactly what was said. So I think, I mean, you know, it's not a hundred percent private from us, um, but I think it's a pretty good compromise so people can feel quite quite safe in there. Great, and and so people, if people want to sort of get involved in this, and and again for our listeners that may not have got involved in this in the past, or or, or maybe need to be reminded about it, what you're basically saying is it's a community building thing. You can go in, <clears throat> excuse me, you can go in there one day just to have a chat and a, and a joke, and the next day you could go in there with a specific issue. Um, but yeah. um, how is you, basically we're going to have a link from uh, Carers World Radio onto your. Uh, facility but you have to get okay. registered and then you have to get going yes. it's that simple yeah, it's um, it's you do. You're right. There is a registration um, process in the first place. It's very, very quick though. You click on a, a thing, type in your name, your email address. It's only the sort of basic thing. Anyone who's used the web before will have filled in much more complex stuff than this. Um, right. And as soon as you have done, there's no delay. You can you can go straight in any time. And what kind of feedback are you getting in terms of what people are uh, benefiting from in terms of this sort of community-based text chat room service? As far as we can tell, they, they, they benefit a, a huge amount from it. I mean, the, the, I guess like anything else, it has its drawbacks. We're in the middle of uh, revamp here completely, actually. It's all going to be able to do much better things within the next couple of months. So we always try to keep improving things in that respect. But generally, um, whenever we have contact with the users of it, they're really, really appreciative of it being there. Um, something I find quite touching is they're often really grateful to us for running it, whereas we don't really do anything. You know, it's, it's, them who, it's, it's them who support each other. They're the ones who uh, yeah. really make it work. So I'm, I'm It's, really it's a little bit like when you're in a town and you see that there's, there's a lovely park and you think, how nice that somebody put the park there that we can all share. <laughs> it's that kind of thing, yeah. isn't it? It's like it's there and you can you can choose to use it or not, but it is great that it's 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 there and available for the community. Um, yeah. uh, well, thank yeah. you so much, Ewan. That is great that you're able to tell us uh, a little bit more about this service because it's a thing that, that people get in, can get involved in very, very easily and, and may well have a huge benefit from it. And, um, and and if nothing else, just to share their stories or hear other people's stories and, and know what's going down. Um, Ewan, thanks so much for joining us. And as I said, we are going to have a link on our website to uh, your service um, there, the chat room at Princess Royal Trust for Carers. So thanks so much. That's great news. Thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs> Well, that wraps it up from us for this month. We hope you've enjoyed it. And don't forget to go to our website at www.carersworldradio.com to take part in our surveys, listen to our programs, and much more. You can also email us at production at carersworldradio.com or fill in our contact form on our contacts page. Until next month, goodbye. <laughs>